Opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. Securities are offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Good morning and welcome to Beyond the Business on News Radio 94.3 WSC. Each Saturday morning at 9 o'clock, successful business leaders and entrepreneurs from across the low country talk about what it takes to succeed in business and in life now your hosts of beyond the business eric cox and leslie haywood and great saturday morning low country welcome to another edition of beyond the business heard here on 94.3 wsc every saturday morning from 9 to 9 30 where you may be listening to us via our podcast at the website coastalwm.com simply click on that radio icon and check all of our great stories out of entrepreneurship and leadership from here around the low country. Leslie Haywood and Eric Cox here this morning from the studio, <laughs> the Saturday before Christmas. How here you feeling, Here in Mount Leslie? Pleasant. I'm feeling good. And thank you, Low Country, for sharing your Saturday mornings with us. And to continue the fun beyond Saturday morning, make sure and check out our Facebook page at Beyond the Business or on Twitter at BTBCHS. Um. So Saturday for Christmas. This Saturday is crazy. before Christmas. I know. Usually we talk about last week's show, but didn't last week's show suck? It was awful. It was a it terrible. Was, it was the guest. worst show we've had in our five year history. So no need to and, listen to that one again. Exactly. But if you want to see what we're talking about, you got to go. Go to the website and check it out. Coastalwm.com. Simply <laughs> click on the radio icon. And the reason Leslie is saying that, they decided to put me in the hot seat last week and interview me, yes. and it was really awkward and weird. It was a lot of fun. And I mean, literally, if you had, if you, if you see the studio, he didn't get to sit in his regular seat. It was a little weird. No, little I know. Weird. We put him um, in the guest seat. But it's good. And, I, you know, I, I thought about it afterwards. Like, you know, now I know what it feels like yes. to be a guest. And I also got to realize how gifted and skilled you are oh as an God. interviewer, Leslie. <laughs> what do you want? Christmas? Uh, big Christmas present, yes, yes. <laughs> you want all those bubbles back? Okay. I want a good Christmas present. So, Low Country, hopefully you are ready for a wonderful week ahead. Yes. Um, great holiday spirit going on here in town, and uh, we're excited just because we have, again, completed our fifth year of Beyond the Business here on 94.3 and iHeartRadio, mm-hmm. and we're excited because our sixth year will kick off uh, in a couple of weeks, and this time we actually have a new Title sponsor jumping on board the School of Business That's over at the exciting. College of Charleston, and we are excited to have them because they have uh, some great ideas and thought on what they want to do at the show and some guests that we're going to be bringing. And I can't say it yet, but we got some really cool guests coming early out of the shoot. So make sure you uh, tune into us for another year leading into 2020 yes and speaking of cool guests who do we have Ooh, that's this a week good lead in. i, I like know that. super so cool in studio we have justin bat justin is the founder and chief dad officer of daddy saturday and the daddy saturday foundation justin welcome and thank you for being here so good to be here glad to be here with y'all well we're excited to have you my friend uh you and i've gotten to know each other here recently and uh certainly know a little bit about your story um, you are uh, what I would consider, I guess, a consummate entrepreneur. Uh, you also have a, uh, an executive corporate role that you're involved in. You have a lot going on in your life. But really, I think the majority of what we're going to talk about on this show is going to be the Daddy, Daddy Saturday concept. So if you don't mind, let's give the listeners a quick 20-second snippet of what that is. Yeah, so over a decade ago, uh, my wife decided to leave teaching, my wife Heather, 
And we've been married for a couple of years. And so I said, you know what? Why don't you start a business and I'll support you? So I had <laughs> to go out of town. Because it's that easy. It's that easy. <laughs> That's right. And so I went That's out of town. all you have to do, folks. If you want to start a business, just do just that, right? Just do it. But you got to make a business plan. So I went out of town. I said, when I get back, give me your business plan and we'll, we'll talk it over. So she came back and she said, you know what? I like babies or bridal. And I said, hey, that's great. You got birth, you got death, and you get married in between. <laughs> so I like the model. And we, we landed on bridal. And so she decided to open a couture bridal boutique named Hayden Olivia Bridal in Charlotte, North Carolina. And right at the same time as the store opening, we had our first child, Hayden Olivia. So the store was named after her. And I found myself as a young dad with uh, my daughter of two weeks old at home by myself with her for an entire day on Saturday. My wife's an entrepreneur. She's working at the store. And so to support her and to take care of our child, I was at home with her all day. And fast forward, um, we had three boys to the mix every two years, basically. And I found myself at home with two, three, and eventually four kids on most Saturdays by myself as their dad. And I was a corporate America father. I was um, working most of the week and traveling pretty much every other week and coming home and I was like most dads. I was stressed out. I was tired. Over, I was overwhelmed. And I knew that I had that long Saturday with my kids. And there were many times I'd wake up with what I call kind of a dad hangover. And I wasn't ready and engaged the way that I wanted to be. And so I decided to make a game plan and create a, an idea for creating epic moments with my kids in those days. And we started to plan our days out. We started to have these really amazing activities that we find around the house or we'd go a certain place. And I saw my relationship, my communication, not only with my kids, but with my wife grow dramatically from just being intentional and being that engaged and present dad that I wanted to be. And it wasn't long before we started doing those Saturdays. One of my children, Mason, my middle son, uh, on Wednesday, they started asking, Dad, what are we doing for Saturday? And one, one of those weeks, he said, Dad, what are we doing for Daddy Saturday? And I was like, that's The light it. bulb went off. There it is. That's what we're calling this. And so uh, we started doing those Saturdays and filming them, putting them on YouTube. And some of the neighbors started coming over. Um, the local community here in Charleston started to take part. And um, Daddy Saturday was born. And I realized it was more than just me, that I had found a recipe to help other dads be intentional and engage with their kids. Well, we're going to dive awesome. into that concept. And certainly, what a great uh, show. I'm glad you're on right now, right before Christmas, right? We're all having family time. It's a great time to reflect and think. And so... Uh, Hopefully, uh, if you're listening this morning, you're getting ready to get that coffee warmed up. We're going to dive in and really hear a great show. And Leslie, before we get into all about what's going on with Daddy Saturday, I think we want to talk about some other things. Yes, let's go way back to the early the early years of where Justin came from. Where were you born and raised? Yeah, so I grew up in a small town in Northwest Ohio called Bryan, Ohio. Uh, Brian's claim to fame is that they have the Etch-A-Sketch and the Dum Dum Sucker made there. Two things that literally everyone knows. <laughs> I, yep, absolutely. And I've gone all around the world and, you know, I can reference the Etch-A-Sketch or the Dum yep. Dum Sucker and people in Asia were telling me they, they knew what it was, right? And they knew where my home small town was just based on those two things. That's so funny. So what, what did your parents do? So my mom's been a nurse for over 30 years and my dad's been in kind of administrative corporate roles in large companies as like head of uh, manufacturing or um, managing the the um, warehouses of large manufacturing companies. So not necessarily an entrepreneurial role model as parents. Not at all. In no. fact, you know, they were um, completely the opposite. They've had, you know, careers or positions where they were working for another company or for another entrepreneur. So quite the opposite. And so uh, give us some 
sense of what it was like growing up in terms of siblings and the household and what things felt like there? Yeah, I had a younger sister, two years younger, my sister Jennifer, and it was just the two of us. And it was one of those things where we were very different in terms of our personalities. I am a driver. I'm wide open, 110 miles an hour all the time. Uh, now with four kids and two of them that are just like me, I finally understand what I put my parents through all of those years. <laughs> mm. And uh, But we had a great relationship with my sister and I, and we were both very involved in sports. And pretty much every every season, it was a, a ball or a pool or um, some form of being on a field that I found myself on. And my sister was also very involved in athletics as well. And our parents were extremely supportive. My dad coached and attended pretty much every game that I ever had. And so it was a great small town, one of those kind of best places to grow up in America. As you can imagine the town square with the courthouse and just love my childhood in Northwest Ohio. So as a kid, did you have a dream of when I grow up, I want to be... I did. So early on, it was I wanted to be an NFL football player. Um, but then, as I'll tell you as part of my story, that dream kind of um, became shattered in my senior year of high school. And then it, eventually, I wanted to be the GM of an NFL football team. So I went from the playing side to the management side. Well, what happened? You know, um, we get into it here. Yeah, yeah we, we're so, going deep. We're, yes, so, we no, get into I'm happy it. We have it. tissues so. if you need to cry, too. It's all good. It's all good. That has it's, happened. It's a big part of my story. Sure. So, so fast forward, you know, growing up in this small town in Bryan, I came to my senior year of high school, and my dream was to play NFL football. So I had had all these schools in Ohio, um, was being recruited by some schools to play D1 football. I was a defensive back, also played wide receiver, went both ways, and um, was was mildly successful, I guess I would say. And so I was slated to be an All-State uh, football player. It was the first day of our hitting practice my senior year. Coach, my nickname was Batter growing up, last name Bat, Batter. And coach said, batter, get out there and show everybody how to tackle. So I walked out, I tackled the player, picked him up, and I slammed him down. And when I did, his shoe hit me in my lower abdomen. And I just remember this excruciating pain. And I got back in the line and to continue with the drill. And the trainer came over, and he saw me grimacing. And he said, yeah, I think you bruised your ribs, but you'll be okay. So I continued to practice. And then we had a scrimmage, an inter- inter-squad scrimmage. And I was falling down. Couldn't remember the plays. I was asking the wide receiver that I was guarding what his route was just so I could keep up with him. Um, I had scouts there, and there were people watching me and just trying to get through it. And I remember coming home and um, was so thirsty, so tired. And so I drank a big thing of Gatorade, and I just wanted to go to bed. And I decided I had to go to the bathroom before I laid down after drinking all that Gatorade. And when I did, I just peed blood everywhere. And um, the Gatorade saved my life because had I gone to sleep, I was bleeding internally and I would have just literally bled out in my sleep. My mom, being the nurse that she was, ushers me to the hospital and says, hey, it happens. Sometimes you're dehydrated. Well, she knew there was much more going on, but being a good nurse, she was keeping me out of shock. So I go to the hospital. And long story short, um, a moment I'll never forget. I'm sitting in the CAT scan and I come out and my mom's face, she is just crying. And there was a young doctor and his face was ghost white. And I was like, I'm in trouble. And so um, come to find out, I had lacerated my kidney in three places. Oh, my God. And had massive internal bleeding. And they couldn't see where it was coming from because there was so much blood. And when I had tackled that player, it had shaken my kidney so hard that it had just literally split it in three different places. So I was on a life flight, helicoptered to a major hospital in Toledo, Ohio. And um, by the grace of God, I ended up at a hospital where they had a nephrologist who was doing grand rounds. And that nephrologist said, hey, he's young. I'll take the case and let's leave his kidney in and see how he does. Any other hospital, any other time, they would have taken my kidney out almost immediately. So over seven days, I healed in the hospital. They didn't have to take my kidney. 
And I was able to even, um, with his permission, return to the field and play the final five games of my senior season, which was a tremendous gift. But that whole story is to say that it was kind of like a roadblock in my life to say, you're not meant to go play football. I have other plans for you. And those plans took me out of Ohio to go to Clemson, South Carolina, where I became a Clemson Tiger and um, started the rest of my life. And so what did you want to do after you didn't want to do the football? So what did you go to Clemson for? By the time you were going to Clemson, what was your degree? What was your? What did you think you wanted to do? Yeah, so the, the funny thing is that that's where that, that shift happened, where I went right. from wanting to play NFL football to right. be the GM of an NFL football team. So I was a sports marketing major. Okay. And so I still love the sports. And in fact, you know, I, I um, my first couple of weeks there, I had my cleats in my hand and I was going to go walk onto the football team. And I had this compelling feeling to say, you know what, hang up your cleats, you're done. Like you've had that experience. You had five more games your senior season that you weren't supposed to have played, but you did. I've got other plans for you. So I ended up playing um, and not playing football, but doing everything else I could possibly do at school. I was in student government, president of every organization known to man. And just had a phenomenal experience while at Clemson and finished with a degree in sports marketing and was getting ready to pursue a double master's, my MBA and a master's of sports business administration to go on that path to being the GM of an NFL football team. And I had used my experience actually here in Charleston with a uh, with the River Dogs. I was an intern before my senior year with the River Dogs and just love sports, love sports marketing, but using that experience and then finding out after getting those two degrees, you had $150,000 in debt and you were pretty much an intern for a large sports team. I'm like, gosh, this is not what I want to do. So I had an offer from Pfizer, um, was one of three candidates chosen for a position within Pfizer. And at that time, it was harder to get into Pfizer than it was to get into Harvard. And so I was very fortunate coming straight out of school to have that offer. And I took, took it and joined Pfizer as a sales rep. So going a whole different direction. Um, when you look back sort of at that life experience that led you from you know, that moment on the football field to join Pfizer, what do you, when you reflect on that, what lessons of life do you take away from that journey? There's so many lessons. I, I think that one of the first things you don't realize how many people actually love and care and support you until something like that happens. The, the amount of people, people that I never thought that like, came and drove an hour to visit me in the hospital or would come and see me at the home, or you know, the, the whole team putting my number on their helmet, stuff like that. Just I've never felt that loved and surrounded by my community um, after that happening. And it's unfortunate sometimes that it takes something like mm -hmm. that to, to recognize that. But for me, that was a really important moment and a lesson that I learned that I need to be able to give that kind of experience to other people that it was also given to me during that time. Like the second thing was that um, you know, never say never and recognize the fact that even though you work so hard for something. I was in peak physical condition. I had trained all, all year for that senior season. And then to literally have that ripped away and then have to train and get back after laying in bed for two weeks. And, you know, I'd lost my muscle tone. I'd lost my physical conditioning. So I had to get all of that back just to get back on the field. And I recognized that, um, you know, there will be obstacles in life. There will be things that you have to overcome. And there's, there's a complete attitude that you can have. And that attitude is either... I'm going to just go and I'm going to find a way to get through this obstacle or I can just back down and just give up. And it was one of those things I never let go of the opportunity to play football again. That just never crossed my mind. I was mm -hmm. going to play football again, even though the doctors and everybody else said I wasn't going to be able to. And I ended up doing that. I think a lot of that was just because of that mindset that no matter what obstacle came my way, I'd overcome it and we'd go forward.
Now, your time at Pfizer, what did you do? So I was a sales rep when I started, Mm -hmm. then moved into a management role, and then I had a really unique opportunity to, um, at the time, in the the early 2008, 2009, 2010, the pharmaceutical industry didn't really have a lot of experience in what they call account management. So working with large hospital systems, and they'd kind of used a doctor-to-rep model, share a voice, they call it, but they hadn't really called on the big systems. And it's very common in other industries to have key account management, but in pharma, they didn't have it. And so I took a, a kind of a pilot hybrid role to be a key account manager and work with some of the biggest health systems across the Southeast and create strategic partnerships. And that was at, towards the end of my career at Pfizer. And it was just an incredible position. We, we trailblazed that for the industry. And Pfizer became one of the, the top key account management pharma companies in the world as a result. And then I left Pfizer and I joined a company called Sanofi and was their director of corporate and market access training, meaning I had a a team of about 300 sales reps and account managers across the country. It was my role to train them on competencies, capabilities, build skill sets and development for them so they could go out and achieve their $2 billion plus goal of working with the payers, the insurance companies and the large health systems that they called on. So we know you have and you're still involved in corporate America, right? Um, and obviously, we're going to get a chance, I think, next week to dive a little more into the entrepreneurial side of yourself and how all that blossomed. Um, but I want to fast forward a little bit for the sake of today's show, since Christmas is around the corner and we all have this great spirit in our souls, <laughs> right? That as all this stuff on your life is going on, you mentioned at the top of the show the fact that, you know, you are a corporate dad. And these Saturdays are hitting you, right? And and we all know that feeling that our dads with kids running around and you work so hard during the weekend and Saturday morning comes and you're right. like, I just want to veg, right? I just want to get, it's so easy to get on the computer and just go to a mindless place. And then you realize, wait a minute, I just lost the whole day that I could have spent pouring into my kids and, and really developing and having that time, right? So if you don't mind, let's take a minute, Justin, and talk about sort of the early steps of the daddy Saturday concept. Yeah, and it's it's great. It's a great question, and great timing because it was in the middle of all of that corporate progression that Daddy Saturday was, was also born. Right, Heather had been building her bridal boutique over the last decade during that time, and we were kind of going back and forth in our careers. She was growing the store as the entrepreneur and taking the risk, and I was the corporate corporate dad trying to support her and our family at the same time, and and having that corporate career. So I was living vicariously as an entrepreneur through her for quite some time, and you know what I found was towards the end of that time. Um, like most dads, I think all dads want to be better dads. We just don't know how we're not given a field manual for fatherhood, right? We don't have an instruction booklet that we get when we have kids. All we have is the experience of our father or our grandparents to fall back on in most cases. And so for me, I just started to have an introspection of how I wanted to grow my family. I wanted to raise good kids that become great adults. And I wanted to create a, a path and a plan in order to do that. And those Saturdays were part of that plan. And, and now you have something coming up. Um, so talk a little bit about how you model generosity for your kids and um, what, what have you got going on? Yeah, so a big part of our the Daddy Saturday platform is, you know, far more is caught than taught. Like when you raise kids, they learn a lot more from what they see in you than what you actually tell them. Um, right, you know, wow. With, <laughs> with most people, it's said that you have to tell them something seven times for them to truly remember it. I think with kids, it's like seven times seven. <laughs> Um, so they learn a lot more by modeling. And so one thing and a big part of Daddy Saturday and part of our principles are um, helping your kids catch those character qualities that you want to see in them later in life. So generosity is certainly one of those. And one of the ways that we have built generosity is every Christmas Eve, 
um, we go out into the community. All the kids have envelopes with, with money in them. And we go to places like the laundromat and to the Waffle House and to some um, halfway houses or homeless shelters in the community. Because our feeling is if you're in a laundromat or a Waffle House on Christmas Eve, especially if you're in Waffle House eating by yourself, right, that person mm-hmm. could need some joy and some love and some Christmas cheer. And so we go out and we give a blessing and the kids go do it. They give out the cards whoever they want to. And it's a way for them to give back before they then receive the shiny plastic things the next day on Christmas. Mm-hmm. And so that is a one way we've created that spirit of generosity within our kids and um, we do it every Christmas Eve. So the challenge you've put together actually, though, has three components to it, if I'm correct. That's only one component. Right. So, so we have a Daddy Saturday generosity challenge that we're going to be ushering. Um, so Charleston community, we want to see you here in the low country really step up and take this on. Uh, part of it is what, what we just described, and that is to um, set aside an amount of money. And I want you to divide it into thirds. I want a third of that money to be used for what we just talked about, to go out into the community and to bless others on Christmas Eve. So take time if you attend church on Christmas Eve, maybe after the church service you go out in the community and you bless those. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's someone that you know that's having a hard time. Um, it can be finding those spots like Waffle Houses and laundromats. But go to where you can go out and bless those in your local area on Christmas Eve. The second part is I want you to set aside a portion, and we're going to talk more about this in the later segment, but money for you as a dad to engage your kids. Or if you're a single mom, same thing, to engage your kids in an intentional way. So set aside a third of those funds to take your kids out and go do something or to buy something you can do locally. We've got lots of resources on the daddysaturday.com website for you to, to do those types of activities. And the last piece is through our foundation, the Daddy Saturday Foundation, uh, we are serving the National Guard, the incarcerated, those in opportunity zones, which are low-income areas for economic um, in- investment, and also first responders, so police, fire, and EMTs. And uh, it's, a, it's a 501c3 nonprofit, and so we'd ask that you make a donation with the other third of that to that foundation so that we can bless and serve those fathers that are in need in those four populations. And Justin, if somebody's listening more says, you know what, this sounds like a great idea. I'd love to be a part of it for this Christmas. How do they get in contact with you guys? Yeah, so, so you can email me at info at daddysaturday.com, info at daddysaturday.com. The other easy ways are we're all over every social media channel. So at Daddy Saturday on Instagram, at the Daddy Saturday on Facebook, and also you can find me, Justin Bat, on LinkedIn. And um, we will have promos and we will have lots of different um, social media uh, programming and sponsored ads and things like that, promoting this generosity challenge. So be sure to look out there and be involved. And then I'd ask that you um, use the hashtag, so hashtag Daddy Saturday Challenge, and um, that'll keep us all together as we have photos and videos of us all being generous in the community. And I'm excited, Leslie, because me and my kids are going to have the opportunity to go actually join Justin on Christmas Eve and do it together. So I'm really excited and pumped to get to go have this opportunity and uh, like you said, help create generosity in our kids' souls before Saturday or, yeah. or Tuesday morning. We got or Wednesday the Cox morning, family coming with right. us. So That's we're awesome. Excited about that. I can't yeah. wait to see pictures. So, uh, Justin, as we're winding out our show today, hard to believe it's almost over. But um, you know, give your thoughts, your opinions, your 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 sentiments on what the Christmas holiday um, for you and your family is all about. Well, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> You know, I think there's three things. Um, obviously, it's um, as a Christian, it's the birth of Jesus Christ, and I think that's the, the reason for the season. So we try to make sure that's what it's first and foremost about, um, Jesus' birthday. I think the second piece is 
Um, it's all about family and just coming together as a family. And there are so many families that um, there are maybe something small that's holding them from getting back together, families that have drifted apart over years. And to me, that's such a sad thing. And so for us, it's making sure that we are always connected and coming back together and using Christmas as a holiday to connect as a family. And I think the third piece of that is generosity, right? It's a great time to be generous and bless others um, and recount the blessings that you have. One thing that we do every Christmas holiday is uh, we pull out our now our phones, we put them up on the TV, and we look back at the past year and just look at family photos and videos, and we tend to go way back more than just the past year and look at baby pictures and have that time together as a family. So it's a time to be grateful for um, how far you've come in the last year as a family and also reflect on um, the past as well. That's awesome. I love that. What a great way to kind of send us off into the Christmas spirit. And looking forward, by the way, uh, having you back after Christmas to come. And uh, we're going to go back and fill in some of the holes. Traditionally, we kind of do the life story, but I think there's some areas we want to go back and, and pick up on and hear a lot more about your insight and your wisdom and uh, look forward to getting that uh, post-Christmas. How's that sound? Can't wait. Well, Merry Christmas to you guys. Thanks so much for having me on, and uh, Merry Christmas to all of you in the Low Country. Thank you. And Leslie, your last parting thoughts for the Christmas holiday. Oh, my goodness. Well, uh, Low Country, have a very, very Merry Christmas, and make sure and follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and um, yeah, Merry Christmas. You know, and I guess over the Christmas holiday, if you have nothing better to do, you're bored and you're looking for something, <laughs> Man, go on our website at CoastalWM.com. Click on that radio icon, and you can binge listen to Beyond the Business and hear some incredible you know, stories and insight, just like we heard from Justin today. Yes, eggnog and by the fire. Eggnog by the fire. And I, you know, certainly uh, I'd like to just say, uh, Leslie, thank you to you uh, for, again, just a great year that we've had. I wish a Merry Christmas to you and your family. And uh, Justin, I couldn't probably add a lot more to what you said. It was amazing. But I would say those that are out there that serve our country just want to say thank you so much for giving us the freedom and the opportunity to celebrate and enjoy uh, next week as a family. So until uh, next week, Low Country, we all ask that you have a very merry and safe Christmas. And until next Saturday morning. Low Country, have a blessed week. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Business on News Radio 943 WSC. Tune in next Saturday morning at 9 o'clock for Beyond the Business, hosted by Eric Cox and Leslie Haywood, and heard exclusively on News Radio 943 WSC.